This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members, Joe Cogler and Mari Carlino, as we get you all cut up on all the sports action going on, all the 50 high school sports that are taking place right now in this crazy uh, spring, summer season, whatever you want to call it. Uh, quick reminder before we get started here, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you guys check us out and write a nice little review as well. So we're going to do our regular four-quarter format uh, this week. Uh, in the first quarter, we are going to uh, recap some uh, week uh, fo- week three football and some uh, soccer as well. In the second quarter, we are going to hear from Jack Cummings. In the third quarter, we are going to play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. And in the fourth quarter, we preview uh, week or of football. Football season is really uh, really moving fast uh, as, over here as we uh, enter April. So we've got a, a lot of lot of stuff to talk about in this week's uh, episode of the podcast. Um, both a uh, lot of fun football games at this point when you're listening to this. Um, Loyola has been kind of sitting for a while, but why don't we start off with the new Trier game where um, if you guys remember from last week's episode, we, we talked about a big matchup between Nutria and Evanston, essentially a must-win game for Evanston if they had any hopes of winning uh, the CSL South uh, title uh, for Nutria. It was a very much approved game on Saturday afternoon, and uh, Nutria took care of uh, Evanston 14-7 to uh, in a really close game that I know, Marty, you were there to check it out, and um, it went all the way into the final uh, seconds of the game, but um, I know that you uh, really saw uh, quite the battle out there where uh, the guys really knew what was up at up for stake um, when they were playing against each other. Yeah, this game definitely 100% lived up to the billing that we gave it last week on our podcast episode um, and definitely fulfilled all the hype that we were talking about. And I think this is going to go down as an all-time classic and one of the uh, the finest chapters in the uh, obviously storied Nutria-Evanston rivalry. It sort of had everything you're looking for in a, in a good high school football game, you know, um, so some huge plays that swung the momentum big way and then uh, a great instant classic finish to it. Uh, but one thing we talked about in last week's episode that I mentioned, I, I was very curious to see how Nutria would respond to some adversity, how how they would respond, you know, when they sort of got that quote unquote punch in the face from another opponent. And um, they, they very much did get that uh, that knockout jab sort of uh, sort of shot from Evanston right away. First drive of the game, Evanston goes down the field. I think it was a 79-yard drive and, and puts seven points on the board right away. And then we saw for the remainder of the game, Nutria playing catch-up, trying to uh, to catch up to that touchdown and, and recover those points. Um, they were able to generate two field goals, score six points off of three first first half turnovers that they had. So we went into halftime at a seven to six game. 
and then uh, we get the uh, amazing fourth quarter that that really had almost almost everything you could ask for in it. Um, New Trier started out with its best drive of the game in that fourth quarter. The drive started out with I think it was about a forty yard uh, quarterback scramble from Krem- from Nevin Kremaskoli. Uh, and then a couple plays later on third and eight um, from the 37 yard line, he connected with Jack Cummings for what would be the game winning touchdown pass that gave new its first lead of the afternoon. And then we see Evanston get the ball back and drive right down the field. Uh, and obviously for anyone who followed the game or um, missed the ending to it, to it, it came down to a great finish. Evanston had the ball um, inside new red zone. And the final play of the game was fourth and two, uh, our fourth and goal, I should say, from Nutria's two, line, two, two yard line, and Nutria stuffed him at the goal line. Um, and it was actually two consecutive plays that way that they stuffed him because on a, a third down play, uh, I think it was from about the five yard line, there was a pass interference call. So that, uh, that replayed uh, another down, and then Nutria made the stop on fourth down. But really just an incredible game. And we saw a lot from Nutria and its ability to respond to adversity because they were. Pretty shorthanded as well. Um, one one player that we've talked about pretty significantly on this podcast, Alex Mendez, was ruled out before the game, and unfortunately, it will be out for the remainder of the season with uh, what appears to be a lower body lower body uh, leg injury. Um, so he was ruled out before the game. They knew they were going to be without him, and then very early on, they lost tight end Finn Cohen, another player we've talked pretty extensively uh, about on the podcast. Um, so they were without two of their best offensive weapons, and it was kind of just trying to scrape across whatever they could. And they struggled for for the majority of the game trying to generate offense. Uh, as I mentioned there, they they forced three turnovers in the full, in the first half and four overall in the game, and they were only able to to generate six points off of those first half turnovers. And those turnovers set them up with some really great field position. So, it was uh, definitely a scrappy effort from them on offense. They had to uh, do what they can without two players they rely they rely very heavily on. So really, I think a good sign that, that they were able to win this game and respond to uh, some of the d- difficult circumstances that, uh, that they faced going in. And there, there's no questioning, this is a very talented Evanston team. A uh, lot, lot of talent on both sides of the ball, particularly defense. I mean, they, they look really good defensively, a lot of speed, a lot of size, a lot of experience. And then offensively, as we mentioned last week, obviously they've got Cruz at quarterback who has talent um, both with his legs and his arms. And then the, uh, the running back combo they brought with Cheeks and I'm blanking on the uh, other running back's name here. I believe his last name was Bowen, but they were a great one-two punch and ate, ate up a lot of yards for Evanson. But the difference was Nutcher's defense made the stop when it had to make a big stop. Yeah, you know, I thought it was key, Marty. You mentioned that that when they got those three turnovers in the first half, they were deep in Evanston territory. Really, it didn't look, you know, walking the sidelines and and seeing Nutrier go anywhere. And obviously, we knew going in, Evanston had a a very capable, you know, more than that, a very, very very good defense. They held Maine South uh, to three points until – or I'm sorry, seven points until the final minute. So – very capable defense, and, and they just looked like they had Nutria's number. Nutria couldn't do anything. They got the ball at, what, like the 20, the 15, and like the 10, and um, didn't punch it in from anywhere. So um, I, I thought it was going to be one of those weeks where Dahl and, and uh, Napoleon, the offensive coordinator, were really going to have to, and they still might, but kicking themselves all week, and, and one that's going to go down that just sticks with in your craw because you had the opportunities and never could get it. But 
Um, they finally made it through. And I think the, the Kremaskoli scramble what was such a huge play and just loosening it up a little bit. Um, and then uh, the pass coming is just a blown coverage, but um, it's bound to happen when you loosen up that defense a little bit. Um, so pretty cool to see um, and witness, especially a fourth quarter. I'm going to pause right now in the podcast because we're going to enter a clip from last week where I said the game's going to be decided, let's say, on a goal line stand. They, they get big stop with Evanston on the goal line late. There it is. That's crazy. Crazy, right? I can't believe I said that. That was uh, quite the prediction. <laughs> I wow, Joe, that's crazy. I said at the time, that's a stupid prediction, but I'm going to make it anyway. Um, but it was pretty cool to see. And like Marty said, um, luckily in high school, uh, a, a pass interference isn't an automatic first. So uh, they just moved balls a couple yards forward. Um, it, was, it was a questionable pass interference in the first place, in my opinion. And um, th they stopped them um, again. So... Um, Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool to witness that. And you could hear Dole talking to the team. Sorry, sorry, Coach Dole, I eavesdropped when you were talking to the team, but um, about how it was, it was, you know, one of the best he's seen since he's been there because it was the best Edmonton team since he's been there. And uh, probably going to, they're going to remember it for a long time. And I think they really will. So kudos to those guys. You guys uh, talked about those uh, turnovers earlier. And I, when I was checking in on Saturday, I feel like every other tweet from Marty that I saw was like, Nutra got another turnover but obviously wasn't able to capitalize it until the end of the game. I mean, based on what you guys saw, I mean, was it just essentially, I mean, obviously Evanston is a very talented team and you got two good teams going against each other. I mean, what did you guys notice offensively where you guys had a lot of opportunities, had a lot of opportunities there and potentially could have opened it up a little bit more given how many turnovers their defense was getting to offense. Yeah, so just starting out on the defensive side of the ball with Nutria's defense, I mean, I've I've been very impressed by by their defense by their defense this year. Um, lots of experience, like we've talked about, tons of speed, um, and just so far we've seen that they are showcasing and uh, consistent ability to generate turnovers, which at the high school level and really at any level of football is uh, such a, a significant significant importance of any defense. So. Um, I believe now they're at something like 13 or 14 turnovers through uh, three games, which is a very impressive total five in week one against GBS and four last week against Evanston. And then uh, some mixed in there against Niles West as well. So uh, this defense is a, is a top tier defense and is going to keep neutral in any game this season because um, they've shown time and time again, that they can limit uh, pretty talented offenses and just keep them in check. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Joe summed it up uh, well, I think. Just, just a tough afternoon for the, for the Trebs on that side of the ball. Evanston, I, I thought, had a really good defensive game plan, uh, particularly once uh, Cohen left the game because that sort of uh, limited Nutrier's ability, I want to say, in the middle of the field. So Evanston sort of focused in on taking Roth out of the game. I think, um, I think Brody finished with something like 20 rushing yards and he didn't get a ton of work out of the backfield, which I was a little surprised by. Uh, but I think that maybe comes from Nutrio trying to, to generate some, some quick jolt on offense, some quick chunk plays. Um, so yeah, I, I was a little surprised by, by um, Evanston being able to, to limit Ross so efficiently. And then for, for the majority of the game as well, they kept Tyler Harden in check, but um, uh, they, they jumped some screen passes that they had set up for him and some design plays that uh, I'm sure they anticipated were going to be some big chunk plays for them. But uh, 
really impressive defense from both these teams, like I mentioned, but uh, that, that third and eighth play, I mean, that seemingly just came out of nowhere. And uh, to be honest, I was quite frankly, kind of shocked um, <laughs> when we watched it happen. Like that was, that was not what I was expecting to happen on, on third down and eight. <laughs> you know, for the nutrient defense, um, I think the front, you know, Marty explained the offensive trouble as well, but I just want to point out on the defense for the Trebs, I thought their front seven, eight were really impressive after that first drive, because, um, you know, you, you, you get into this game and you get marched down the field on and kind of trampled over with the run game um, for seven. Um, and then you got to come back on the field and face those same running backs. They got, you know, I think they probably gave multiple carries to four, four backs on the day. Um, all pretty talented. And, and then you got Cruz, a quarterback. And uh, Nutria really really plugged things up after that. They, there was not much running room, maybe some gains of six and seven here and there. Um, but the outside backers, Brody Roth and uh, Max Dancy, really bothered Cruz. I thought they got in and made him, made him get out of the pocket and uh, got to him quickly. He didn't have any much time um, to make any plays on the run. Um, and then I thought their front seven was pretty good and just getting and riling things up in there. And they're not that big in there, um, Nutrier's um, defensive line, um, but they make an impact. So it, it was pretty cool to see. In, in addition to that D-line generating significant pressure, another important takeaway from the game was just how many penalties they were able to draw. I think there had to be at least uh, half a dozen, if not more, holding penalties on Evanston's offensive line. Uh, but this, the same can also be said on, on the Nutrier side of things. Uh, several holding penalties went against them on offense as well. But yeah, the uh, the front seven, as you mentioned there, Joe, significant, significant, significant role in, in the game um, with both the pressure they created and the tackling, um, limiting that that strong Evanston run game for uh, for all afternoon, really, with the exception of that first drive. All right, we'll talk more Nutrier in the, well, I guess in the second quarter as well, but also in the fourth quarter as we preview their week four game against Glenbrook North. But before we do that, why don't we move over now and talk about Loyola's, um, I don't know, guys. I mean, it, it just, I mean, it seems every week, I feel like we've talked about how um, good these opponents are and how big of a test. And then Loyola goes on and to like beat them pretty handily. And yeah, Loyola taking care of Brother Rice 28 to seven on last Thursday. Um, essentially it's, it's a very stereotypical game for Loyola. You have the running attacks doing great. Again, you have the defense limiting, uh, the Crusaders and, uh, guys, I mean, we're just really seeing, I, I, it feels redundant to say this every single week because I feel like we basically can say the same thing we've been saying for the past three weeks now, but I mean, this Loyola team is just stacked. It, it is talented. And, and, uh, I mean, there might be expert analysis that you can't get anywhere else, but I mean, guys, it, this team is just so talented where you're just like wishing that there was any sort of state title game, because this team would be the team that would easily probably cruise and hopefully play for a state title. Yeah. You know, I, I was able to watch a little bit of it um, on the TV and see some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff um, out of their backfield. And, you know, they went to Maldonado in that game, Marco Maldonado, who is the kind of understudy. Um, to Vaughn Pemberton pretty early. It was clear. I think they wanted to get him some touches and work him in, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a short season like this and see what, and he looked so good. Um, he's going to be a guy to watch 
next season going forward just to fill right in those Pemberton shoes, um, big shoes to fill too. And I think he might do it pretty, pretty adequately, um, if not more than that. And uh, so it was cool to see him. He, he broke loose for, I think it was like a 60-ish uh, yard screen. And then um, I think in the second half, like a 35-yard run or so. Um, but just, you know, chunk plays and, um, you know, bull running with also some, some nice, some nice dance moves in there. Um, and, and then Pemberton would just come in. I think he scored on a fourth down again, um, on like a 30 yard, actually, I think that one might've been 20 and later on a 40 yard run. Um, they're just really talented and, um, pretty, pretty cool to see what they're able to do in the running game without Crutes, a division one, big 10 commit to Illinois. Um, and, uh, they, since that week one, and obviously Rita's one of the best teams in the state, but since they weren't able to move the ball much there to now where they're kind of moving it at will with that run game, um, is pretty impressive. And yeah, we, you know, every time I, I see him or see a score, I wish, I wish we could get pumped for the playoffs. And this is just another example of what makes this team so tough, right guys, because you see, you know, these talented opponents, they're able to keep the game close for a little bit, but then, you know, after a while, Loyola just wears you down with on both sides of the ball, really, but particularly on offense with just, you know, how much consistent yardage they're able to get out of that run game and uh, with multiple guys contributing out of the backfield. So it's just like, we've talked about this so many times before, but how do you get to this team? Because you know, they're going to limit you defensively. You know, you're going to have a hard time moving the ball and putting together long drives against them. And then when you face the offense, you know, the offense is going to put together good drives, long drives, tough drives that are, are going to wear you down throughout the entirety of the game. And then as the game goes, goes on, they just sort of keep flexing and flexing and then eventually make it uh, almost a runaway. And that's kind of what we saw against brother rice. You know, they kept it close in the first half and then uh, third and fourth quarters, Loyola just said, we're the better team and we're going to show you that. And they went on to, uh, to finish them off pretty handily there. Well, guys, you even see, I mean, um, we, we, I feel like we've talked about defensively and running back, but even the quarterback position, I mean, you had sophomore quarterback, Jake Sterney come into the game, like midway through the third, late into the third quarter, because JT Thomas had a, a sprained ankle earlier in the week. And you just have him coming in and he's making pass. He's connecting with uh, tight end James Kyle uh, covering 16 and three yards. I mean, you just, this team is, I know Halasek told us this at the beginning of the season, but I mean, this team is stacked. I mean, this team has talent all over. I mean, wherever you look, I mean, even at the quarterback, I mean, obviously the quarterback position is the most important position on a football team, but I mean, you have every position like where you have so much depth where this Loyola team, like you mentioned, Joe, they're just trying to get in film at this point because they want to give everyone a chance and they can easily do that because they're just going to take care of tough CSL ESCC opponents uh, quite easily. And it doesn't really matter whether they're first stringers or the second team uh, stringers play. Yeah. You know, it was funny, you know, you mentioned them bringing in that the sophomore quarterback, I was listening to the Crusaders play by play and they couldn't figure it out. They're like, why is this guy in? Obviously they acknowledge like, well, we don't know if he's injured, but we didn't see anything. JT Thomas looked good. What's going on here. And it, it seemed like they were kind of frustrated that like Loyola was putting their backup in when they were only up 14, but Loyola had the game pretty well controlled. I don't want to say in hand, but in control. Um, so I, I had to have a chuckle out of that. Um, those guys do a fun job, though. It was a fun listen, to be honest. And uh, But, yeah, I think they're able to get more guys in. And I think knowing that 
there's no not even a bowl game for the Catholic League, right? They're they're actually Loyola's fighting to even get a full schedule. Um, I think it's time to get juniors tape. A lot of their seniors, if not most, um, other than Marty Hour, already signed on to colleges. Um, I don't know if they have to play too much, everybody. So I think, you know, getting Maldonado some tape, getting some sophomores some tape, um, some other people in, in big Catholic League games against, um, you know, top 10, top 20 opponents, um, I think is, is really beneficial for them. And it's going to move them, behoove them for next for next season, which is coming right around the corner, right? They're going to be in, in summer camps and, and, and stuff before we know it. So um, I think you're able to do some stuff in, in this season without, you know, kind of playing for seedings and things like that. And I think obviously Holosec and company know that. So um, it's fun for us to see too, um, what we can expect moving forward. I don't know if you guys, have you guys heard uh, anything about our push last week to get Lincoln Way East and uh, Loyola, Loyola to play? I don't know how much traction they got in the football community, but uh, that, that, uh, that's still an open play if you guys want to try to do that, especially with Loyola still looking for an opponent. You know, I put some whispers out there and I hope it's a little game of telephone and move around. Still waiting to hear back. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about Loyola in the, in the fourth quarter because they actually do have an opponent. We'll get more into that. Um, in the fourth quarter, but before we finish up the first quarter, uh, just talk some uh, sport, other sports going on. Uh, we had a new chair boys soccer actually drop its first two games of the season, a loss to Warren and Maine South. And uh, guys, I know we talked about this earlier, about that hot start for the Trebians earlier beating Loyola, um, whether, I mean, we played around in a way or no way, whether they can finish the whole season undefeated and that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's very tough with the amount of games going on and everything like that. But um, Nutria losing to Warren and then also losing a, losing a game to Maine South in that battle for the CSL South. Um, obviously, Nutria can easily, can hopefully get back on track, but uh, not a good start, uh, especially with that tough loss to Maine South. Yeah, and this, this short season kind of shows you, you know, just how quickly things can change. Um, you know, the, obviously, in the past couple of episodes, we've talked about uh, how highly we think of this team, this team, and you know, we, we still obviously do think very highly of them, but obviously the narrative narrative has shifted a little bit now where as now the, the title for the CSL South is up for grabs with these, with that loss to Maine, that, that recent loss to Maine South. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out here, but uh, I, I wouldn't be too overly concerned um, with these couple of losses. I think it's just, um, you know, something we've mentioned in previous weeks where, the depth of the schedule uh, in terms of how many games they're playing in uh, a short amount of time and the quality of opponents that they're facing. Obviously Warren is a, is another perennial uh, powerhouse soccer program there. Uh, and then the, the Hawks usually bring a good program and a, and a tough, tough conference matchup. So uh, something to keep an eye out here now, as the, as the conference season finishes up here with, you, you know, it seems like with just about a little over a week left, um, that we we almost had them locked in as shoe-ins for the for the conference champion for the conference title now so we'll see how that, that plays out here in the final week or so yeah marty you mentioned it Warren, warren's no joke and they never are on on the soccer field and uh they're unbeaten too um so um they were coming in with confidence i, I think they still are unbeaten um so uh definitely no easy task for the trevians and uh they met their match and, and, and a good one 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 nil on warren's side and then maybe that led to a little letdown. Maybe the the competitive games in a row for Nutria have been pretty serious. I mean, uh, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I think they went from 
um, Loyola to Glenbrook South to, to Warren to um, Maine South. So Evanston so, mixed in there somewhere. Evanston too, too right? Portland. Yeah, exactly. So very competitive games back to back to back to back in a condensed schedule. Um, maybe that led to the letdown. Maybe not. Maybe it's just, you know, good teams playing each other and you're going to have some ups, you're going to have some downs. Um, so um, I, I was a bit more surprised by the main South, not that they're um, no good, but um, you know, they got a couple, a couple downs on the, on the slate. So um, I thought they'd bounce back, but we'll have to wait till the next one. So your hatred of main South doesn't stick, only sticks to football. It's not a universal thing for all the other sports. No. Yeah. It's only football. I actually, I love watching their basketball program. I think they're well coached and they always put together a tough uh, defensive effort. Um, I always enjoy when, when watching them versus Loyola or Nutria. Um, soccer's good. Um, volleyball. I don't really know. They're, they're kind of never great, but always solid. So uh, yeah, just the football and, and, you know, it's just got some scars. I think uh, I think Coach Dahl said he's gonna give Joe a couple carries in Week Five against the Hawks. <laughs> I, I think I think the de- I think the defense wants a shot at him. <laughs> Boy, that would be something. Yeah. All right, well that's <laughs> well we'll see how that goes. We'll get our contracts going out. See whether Joe has any eligibility left in high school sports. But uh, we'll move over now to the second quarter where we caught up with a new football player, Jack Cummings. I know Marty, you caught up with him after the game. What are the folks at home going to hear from Jack? Yeah, of course. We're going to talk about the big play, the third and eighth, the third and eight touchdown catch, uh, which as I mentioned, turned into the game winning touchdown catch. And, you know, this is Jack's first year in the new football program. So, you know, what a rookie season, what a unforgettable catch that'll be. And obviously we talk about everything that went into it and, uh, it's, it's funny. Cause he mentions, you know, this, there's so much depth on this team, uh, at every position. So I kind of asked him, you know, did, did you ever think that you'd be the, the one who would catch that pass? And, uh, he even admitted, you know, I wouldn't be the first guess, uh, even myself, I wouldn't be the first guess that I would be the one to catch the touchdown pass. So really special moment for him and, and a fun interview with Jack after, uh, a very memorable, uh, touchdown catch in, in that game on Saturday. All right, let's take a listen. So, walk me through that last uh, that that big uh, touchdown ground, Jack. What what you see, and, and when you saw light, and you saw that you had some open field, and the ball was coming. Uh, what was that like in your head? Uh, off the off the ground, uh, was pressed on me, so I, I ran like a kind of like a post to the center of the field, and I made it inside, and it was just completely blown up. I was wide open. It was just a rush of emotion, catching the ball, no one around me. It was, it was amazing. When you crossed the goal line, what was that feeling like? I mean, I, I couldn't really process it at the moment. Kind of like looked around, took a second. It was just... You got to make sure it was real. Yeah, it was, it was just so much excitement. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is that your first varsity touchdown? Uh, yeah, it is my first varsity touchdown. Pretty crazy for the, for the first it, one. It's huh? a, definitely a memorable one. And you're a senior, right, Jack? No, no, I'm a junior. Junior, okay. So you'll still get one more uh, one more season next year. But uh, what's it been like still having to have, uh, still being able to get out there this year and, you know, have some resemblance of a season after it looked like, uh, you know, maybe the, the season might not happen a little earlier this year? Um, well, I, this is my first year playing football for New Trier, so I I didn't really start in the program until last summer. But it was it was really exciting to learn we had a season, and 
I was I was always I'm I'm I wrestle and I'm always super pumped to wrestle Evanston and wrestle all the other big schools. So I definitely had this date circled my calendar. Yeah. It was um, so I knew I wanted to come out here and and play hard, and I think that's what we did. And did you ever imagine that uh, you'd be uh, catching the game-winning touchdown pass? I mean, after um, we have a lot of great receivers, and for me to be the one to score that last touchdown. I wouldn't have guessed it, but it was it was definitely a fun play, fun game to be part of. Thanks so much for joining us, Jack. And as always, thank you to all the players and coaches for joining us every single week. All right, we're halfway through the podcast. So let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, third quarter, we are going to play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game where I have Joe and Marty pit against each other and tell me whether something is going to happen way or something is not going to happen no way. Uh, This week, we're only going to do three questions, and we're going to focus on the summer sports for the 2020-2021 school year. So um, primarily what you would, would normally see as a spring season, but this is technically called the summer season. Um, and that started this past Monday. So uh, when we get things started, Marty, with uh, way or no way that the Loyola girls lacrosse team and Nutrier play for a state title this year. So just one thing I want to clarify here. We, we have gotten word that we are going to get a state series for lacrosse. I thought there was. Well, didn't they say they were doing a whole uh, state postseason, like a state series? I know some sports they have said they were hoping for it, but I'm not sure if I've seen it official yet, but maybe for the, for the purpose of just, you know, a, hype, a fun hypothetical um, yeah. either way, let's just roll with it. I'm going to go way. And this is obviously a matchup that we've seen uh, in state, in the state playoffs many years, year after year, two perennial powerhouse programs. And I'd expect, I'd expect nothing less from them. Uh, two two great programs, and I don't think the um, the layoff effect of losing last season uh, will will be a significant blow to either program. So I'm going to say way on this one. I am pretty sure they announced. Um, I know there was a lot of announcements in February and March, but I'm pretty sure they announced that there will be a state series for all spring sports. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and they do have uh, all the different stuff like regional, sectional, and state. So there will be a state championship. Yeah. I'm assuming everything keeps well, yeah. going forward in positive directions. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, you know, it's so hard to tell. I, I think, you know, we had a year off here, but these are the powers. These are um, Loyola won how many in a row at one point. Nutrier is always there right behind them and, and then grabbed one to break their streak. Uh, I, I, you know, if I was a betting man without even looking at the rosters, I'd say, yeah, why not? It's like, if you, <laughs> You know, five years ago, you, you'd put pencil in UConn for the women's championship every year because that's how it was going. But so kind of a similar thing here, just two dominant programs, um, probably going to be energetic, ready to go. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say way, way they meet, they meet again. All right. Way or no way, Joe, that the Nutria girls soccer team wins a state title this year. Ooh, wins. I thought I was going to get to the title game. Uh, well, if I'm not wrong, they've been in five in a row or six in a row state title games. Um, obviously, last year um, was off because of COVID. Um, so I think they got back-to-back second-place finishes. Uh, sorry, I don't have that in front of me either. So I will say way they get back to their championship ways 
get on the board. I know they're uh, they're pumped to get back at it. Um, I'm a, I'm a Burnside believer. Um, so let's uh, let's say way they win another state title. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go no way on this one here. I think they'll reach the state championship game, but fall just short. Um, maybe in a two to one game, um, predicting something that's way out in the future here. But I'm gonna go no way and and just a little short on this one. Obviously, this is a program with with such great success, such great history. Um, sort of always kind of feels like they're gonna have a little bit of a target on the back, like on their backs, because when they play a team, you know that team's gonna bring. Um, their best effort because they know they're facing one of the best programs in the state for the last uh, 10 or 15 years or so. So I'm going to go no way um, just because, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, to consistently reach the, uh, the mountaintop and get that state championship over and over again. Right. All right, Marty, what do you think um, about this one? Way or no way that the Loyola Academy boys volleyball team finishes with more wins than New Trier? Yeah, this one is another tough one because uh, this is a, another sport that unfortunately we haven't seen in over a full year now with the uh, with the layoff last year. So, oh man, this is this is a tough one, but I'm going to go no way on this one. I think the uh, the Trevians obviously a very strong program all, all year after year. So I think they'll just edge out the Ramblers by um, a couple wins, two, three wins. Uh, I think both teams will be pretty good this year, a little extra motivation with the year off, a little extra hype, but uh, I'll say the Trevians get a couple more wins. Yeah, really tough. I'll go um, the opposite way, and I will say, I'm sorry, I forgot the way the question was phrased, but Loyal have more wins. Is that a way? That's that right. is a way. Yeah, I will go way. I'll disagree. And uh, the reason for that is, is that usually Loyola plays in the weaker conference in boys volleyball, um, you plays a pretty tough slate, um, some tournaments as well as, um, as well as the GBS, they play GBN in, in a, oh, GBN's in their conference now, which is always a, a good conference or a good, uh, is always a good team, a good program there. Um, Maine South is always pretty good. And so, uh, I will say that Loyola just racks up when we've seen a couple 30 win Loyola teams, um, in the past decade, um, yeah, I think they could do that, and they could be really equal programs this season, but um, Loyal racks up a couple more. All right, folks, there you have it. That is a way or no way. We'll see how it goes, obviously, with the summer season just starting. We've got a long ways to go until June when most of these uh, state playoffs are going to be happening, but we're obviously happy to uh, have that come back for us. All right, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we preview the upcoming week of football where um, we didn't really know if Loyola was going to have an opponent uh, in week four, which was kind of interesting because when the game ended, uh, Holosek was putting out uh, feelers to see whether uh, they could find a team or not. And then um, a couple of days later, it was announced that, Hill, that uh, Loyola would travel down to Hillcrest and uh, play there. So um, why don't we start off with this Loyola game? Uh, obviously, uh, uh, they've had some more time. Obviously, last week we talked about the shorter time this week. Now they had a 10 days rest when they – uh, play against Hillcrest uh, this upcoming weekend. So maybe that works in their favor. Obviously, we know that uh, JT Thomas was battling with an ankle sprain. We'll see uh, whether that develops more and he'll be able to uh, give it a full go. Obviously, we know they're in capable hands if uh, he's not able to. But um, what are you guys seeing in this game against Hillcrest? I mean, obviously, um, they've had enough time, 10 days to prepare for this game. So, I mean, what do you guys expect to happen? 
Yeah, and I, I think actually that the game will be in Wilmette, Michael. I could be oh, mis- okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I yeah. could be mistaken, but I think they will be traveling. No, right. That's right. Traveling up to Wilmette. Yeah, so haven't seen a lot of uh, Hillcrest, not only in this year, but just in general. Not a team I've, I've covered much or had a chance to, to get a whole lot of look, uh, look at in, in recent years. So just looking over at what they've done so far this year, they've got a pretty nice point differential. Um, looks like last week this, this could be a misprint, but it looks like they had a 72 to nothing win over <laughs> Tinley Park. Um, and they've had a couple in the prior weeks, a couple high scoring affairs as well, 42 points and 30 points in their first two weeks. But, um, you know, obviously they've, they, they haven't seen anything like the Ramblers and that's going to be an adjustment adjustment for them. And, you know, the competition they faced, uh, in prior weeks is not going to match up to Loyola. So I like Loyola in this game. I think they'll, they'll take care of business. Um, uh, maybe we'll get a close game for a quarter or two, but, then as so often we've seen, I think the Ramblers will kind of pull away and pull away pretty handily. Um, I love this matchup, man. I was so pumped when I saw it. Hillcrest is a legit program in the past five, six, seven years. They've been, to, I think, five or six straight quarterfinals in 5A at least. Um, they put up points. They're exciting. They're fast. They're well-coached. Um, they're creative. Um, I'm from the South suburbs, so love the South Suburban Conference. Um, they play, you know, I got to see them a lot when I covered Tinley Park, um, and they ran up 72 on Tinley Park. Tinley Park has its ups and downs, but it's not a bottom program um, in that conference. So to, to blank them like that is impressive. Um, and they beat Lamont. Lamont's a perennial power in five or six A, depending on the school year. Um, so. I, I think uh, I think this is going to be a pretty fun matchup. I, I too lean Ramblers, but it's going to be a very different type of matchup. It isn't that Loyola's had so far. Not they're not going to get that Smash Mouth Catholic League um, big guy ground and pound type of game from Hillcrest. Hillcrest won't play that way. Um, they'll do some creative things. They'll do some flash. Um, and you know, from what we've seen in the past with Randall programs, sometimes they're, they're beat on those big chunk plays and Hillcrest is certainly capable of doing that multiple times in a ball game. So um, I think Loyola will, will keep that offense off the field, which will be their saving grace with Maldonado and Pemberton um, be able to do that. Um, there's there's going to be some, some holes in that defense too, if they want to find some stuff over the middle of the Kyle. Um, but uh I got Hillcrest putting up some some surprise points on a Loyola defense. That's really good. Now, the Loyola secondary, as we know, is well touted as maybe the best they've ever had. Uh, I guess he's, you know, um, Holosex implied that a little bit. So they'll be tested. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited for this one. How much, Joe, do you feel like that? And Marty, obviously, as well, do you feel like that change of smash mouth football affects things. I mean, you obviously see that in other sports. I mean, we saw it in the um, in college men's basketball where you had the Big Ten beat each other up and then they couldn't compete when they came to the tournament, when they came to playing a Pac-12 team or like any sort of length and that kind of stuff. I mean, does that affect a team like Loyola at all? Or do you feel like, yeah, they're used to it, but I mean, that can that doesn't really matter when you have the talent at the depth that Loyola does? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it will change the pace of the game a little bit. Now, it's going to depend on if Hillcrest can actually land a couple of those big blows. If they can't, they're you know, because they're going to be either, you know, big throws or, or they're going to try to get people out in space that don't go anywhere. They're going to get off the field real quick. If the Ramblers shut that down. So then it might get, 
you know, toward the Ramblers' favor pretty quickly. But, I mean, if they hit on a couple of those, I think it'll really change the pace of the game. And I think Halsek and his team are, and his, his coaching staff are going to enjoy this, this challenge a little bit, this new look um, that's coming to town. Um, in a year where you, we've talked about it so much, where you're not playing for a seating, I think there's a little more, a little less stress. Still, of course, they want to win, and they're going to they're gonna do everything they can to, to, to get a W, but a little less stress to have to win. So I think they're going to have fun with things. They're going to enjoy it. Um, I think it'll change things. Yeah, it's a it's a really nice change of pace as well because so often we don't see matchups like this. We, you know, traditionally just obviously see Loyola matching up in the regular season, especially with uh, the Catholic League schools. And as Joe alluded to, so many of those schools play similar styles of football with uh, run heavy attacks, very uh, you know, sort of balanced and conservative offensive approaches. So. Um, we don't see Loyola match up with some of these, um, some of these public schools and programs that uh, might implement some different styles of offenses. So it's really fun and unique in that sense. And I'm trying to think back of maybe some of these matchups where we've seen uh, in the past Loyola face off Loyola, excuse me, face off against um, some public schools. Uh, and, you know, you, you probably have to go into the postseason to think of matchups like that. Yeah, they had Evanston maybe a couple years in a row in the postseason or, or one sticks out. And I think – I don't remember if it was two years ago, but um, I think they blanked him. I think Loyola blanked him. Um, it wasn't Loyola – it wasn't Evanston's best team, but I think that's a that's a public, public school that plays a little, little different style than Loyola's used to. Obviously, uh, the main South matchups as well. We've seen them in the playoffs a couple years now. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd say they're similar. There's – yeah. Yeah, I'd say they're similar almost in a sense to a lot of the Catholic League schools as well, where, um, you know, they, they have a set offense, you know, year after year and rely pretty heavily on the, on the same style of offense. They occasionally will air things out and, and try to do some different creative things on offense, but um, I, I'd say that's a little bit more of a, a similar program to some of the teams that they're usually facing. But, but should be a lot of fun, you know, unique matchup in, in, a, in a year and a season of uh, – uh, abnormalities and some things out of the ordinary, you know, it's a, it'll be a fun matchup hopefully. And, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get something different out of it than we would see in a normal season. All right. I'll get predictions from you guys uh, toward the end of the podcast. Let's move over now to Nutrier uh, where they face off against GBN in week four. Um, I know Marty, you mentioned in your story that um, I mean, there's that big week five matchup where you have a uh, Nutrier playing in that against uh, Maine South for, um, if both teams win their week four matchup, essentially it's going to be for the CSL South title. So, um, but obviously, Marty, you're very familiar with GBN as well. Um, what are uh, the Trevians going to have to look forward to playing the Spartans this week? Um, and how much is it going to be a factor of not looking ahead uh, when you're playing the Spartans this weekend? Yeah, I think there will be, you know, a little bit of concern uh, where obviously, as you mentioned, Michael, they've got week five with a matchup against Maine South on the road circled on their calendar but from what I've seen this uh, from this new cheer team this season and just from talking to some of the players and talking to the coaching staff they're they're going week by week they're they're going to be locked in in my opinion I think they're going to be all systems go focused on Glenbrook North this week um, and this 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 GBN team has some uh, really nice talent on both sides of the ball division one players um, division one talent on both sides of the ball with uh, Drayton Charlton Perone 
Perrin, uh, the, the big tight end and middle linebacker um, for Glenbrook North. And then obviously uh, Jackson Carcillo, the Northwestern commit on the offensive line. So um, some really nice talent uh, on both sides of the ball from Glenbrook North, but I think you'll see the Trevians come out and want to take care of business pretty early on and, and try to um, put this game out of reach if they are able to as quickly as possible, because as we have, as we alluded to that, that week five matchup is looming. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast in, in past matchups. It's like, is it a trap game? If you talk about it all the time as a trap game, I'm not sure. Does that like change it to a priority <laughs> game? Like how much talk do you need to have? So I'm sure Dahl and his, his staff see it as that with Maine South looming, you know, he even mentioned it in the huddle. Yeah. I was eavesdropping again uh, about how they have to give up <laughs> for, uh, you know, for GBN. So you know, in GBN, they beat GBS and they did an overtime take some, you know, it's a rivalry game. So they've been tested, take some guts. Um, so I think they'll bring it. Um, why not? Right. So um, it'll be a good one. I think, uh, I think they'll be challenged, but I do think Nutrier, you know, you know, Marty's said it for weeks on this pod about the speed. It was fun to see in person. Um, just those linebackers coming off the edge in the secondary um, can really play and can really stop the run. So um excited to to see it but i think uh, i think new Jersey should handle the challenge what kind of offense do you feel like we're going to see this week is it going to be more of what we saw against uh gbs and niles west and that kind of stuff or um what are you expecting for an offense that i'm sure that is uh looking forward to getting back on the field after uh some missed opportunities last week against uh vinston i mean i I'm, think i, I want, on, I want on, you to finish it up marty because you're going to talk with more authority on it but i i'm expecting more back to the run game since I think Dow maybe changed it up. And I don't know what you think, Marty, knowing that Evanson was stopping the run, he was maybe trying to do some stuff creative. And I think I'm gonna, we're going to see more of, of Roth and Harden in the ball uh, and Cremus goalie on the run, try to try to get some yardage. See, I'm a little bit of the opposite. I think they're yeah. going to try some, some new things out this week with Maine South looming in week five, um, particularly depending on what the status of Cohen is. Uh, because obviously without already Mendez for the rest of the season now, and then if they go into that week five game uh, without Cone as well, I mean, obviously the focus of the main South defense is going to be on shutting down Roth and the running game and limiting big plays from Harden. So that is uh, obviously two huge parts of their offense. So uh, I think you'll try to, you'll see Nutria test some things out, maybe open up some things in the passing game, take a couple shots early on, with the thought of that they may need to pull a couple tricks out of their bag in week five uh, against Maine South, because we saw that, you know, a good defense Evanston that uh, was able to limit them pretty significantly on offense. So uh, we anticipate that Maine South is going to bring a defense very similar, if not better. So I think to uh, put some points up in week five, they know they might need to, uh, to pull out some plays a little bit deeper in the, in the playbook against the Hawks. So I think you'll see that you'll see them test some things out and maybe implement some, some creativity on offense. I, you know, mentioning Cohen, like you just did, I just, I don't know about you, but I can't see them putting him back in because he was out the rest of the game, you know, icing it, obviously favoring it, looking at the photos we had of the hit too. I really think, you know, unless it's a bruise, you know, and God hope it is just, you know, bruise yeah. from a helmet to the knee. 
it really feels like it's at least a sprain and possibly worse. And if that's the case for a kid who has division one talent for a tight end, I can't see him putting him back on the field this year. Yeah, I think this season in particular, you're going to see teams be a lot more conservative with injuries. Um, anything that's of any really concern of concern at all, um, they'll probably opt for the conservative approach just because it's such a strange season, such a, a different routine to everything. A quick rush into the practice, a quick rush from practice into the regular season. So they probably will be pretty conservative with him. And my guess would be if there's a chance they feel he can play and suit up in week five, that he will absolutely be rested in week four um, with the hope that they'll be able to utilize him in some capacity in week five. But as you mentioned, Joe, it, it certainly depends on what the significance of the injury is. And I did ask coach Dahl after the game on Saturday, what he thought about the, uh, or if he had any update on, on Finn's injury, he said he was awaiting word from the training staff. He, he wasn't able to talk to them yet. So um, we'll see this week if he's out there, potentially if he is out there, maybe he's just uh, sort of a decoy in a sense where he plays, you know, four or five plays at the beginning of the game, just so GBN has to prepare for the, the fact that he might be ready. But I think it's pretty fair to say that it's more certain than not. He, uh, he won't be playing this week especially if they, they think there's a chance he could be ready to go in week five because they'll need him. Definitely a really interesting uh, matchup to see. Obviously, we're going to be talking about um, a big matchup ahead, but can't, uh, can't uh, look past this week. So uh, what are we feeling, guys? What do we think? Uh, let's start with Loyola. What does Loyola do against Hillcrest this weekend? I got Loyola. um Whew, let's see here. Coming off a pretty hot week. I think I think Hillcrest does get in the end zone. I'm going to say they get in there twice. So I'm going to give them 13 points. Uh, but I think the Ramblers, you know, uh, like Marty said, they're going to keep pace with them early and then wear them down and take it 31-13. Yeah, I'm, I, it's funny because we're often really, really similar on our predictions. I'm very close to that as well. I've got 34-17 Loyola uh, on top. I think you will see them get a quick strike. Um, Hillcrest, that is, I'm alluding to, get a quick strike early on. And I think they'll sneak one across in the second half as well. So uh, mix in a field goal in there to get to 17. But uh, I think the Ramblers will score pretty early and then uh, just kind of wear them out in the second half that I alluded to. So I've got 34-17 Ramblers. All right, and I think uh, – I don't know how I've been doing on the, on the picks, but I do think 28-10 uh, to 10 Loyola, uh, one touchdown for Hillcrest and a field goal, but that'll be pretty much uh, it for that matchup. How are we feeling uh, for New Trier and GBN this weekend? Yeah, and this one I've got uh, – I've got the score 31-10 New Trier. I think Glenbrook North will keep it close in the first half. And I think we maybe head into half with like a 14, 10 to, or a 17, 10 type of game. Uh, and then we see Nutria sort of pull away in the second half. I, uh, I think that the difference is going to be um, Kremaskoli being able to generate offense, both with his arm and his legs out of the pocket. I think they'll struggle um, limiting Kremaskoli in some of the, in some of the games that I've covered in previous years, uh, Glenbrook North sometimes can struggle with a quarterback who's uh, multifaceted and can hurt a team with both his arm and his leg. So 
I think Kremiskoli this week will be the big difference maker for the Trevs and uh, full, full steam ahead into week five for Nutria. So I've got uh, 31 to 10 Nutria coming out on top this week. Yeah, I got Nutria too, kind of controlling the pace, controlling the clock with, with their run game um, being without some of their wide receivers. I think Harden gets into the mix this week as well as Roth having a big game. I'm sure um, Kremlin School is going to do what Marty said and, and get out in space too, but uh, I expect a big game from Roth. And I think, uh, I think GBN tallies, but late. And I got it at 28 6. I think Nutria is going to hold on to this game pretty heavily. Uh, just 28 14 uh, Nutria win. Uh, maybe a late uh, fluke field, uh, goal, not field goal, but a touchdown for uh, GBN to make it a four, to make it look closer than it actually was. So we'll see how things go, and we'll uh, keep you guys updated on not only football but all the other sports going on uh, in the high school world. Uh, just a quick reminder before we say goodbye that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Android, what have you. Make sure you're checking out. And make sure you are checking out all of our content on the recordnorthshore.org. It even goes beyond sports. I know there is a lot of election day coverage, so make sure you guys are checking all that. Um, I'm not sure if Joe and Marty have slept since uh, Monday afternoon or Monday evening, but um, obviously a lot of work there. So make sure you guys are checking it out there as well. So uh, for Joe and Marty, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.